0: Good morning, everyone. We are continuing our series on Paul's letter to the Romans. Um, Last week, Andrew talked about how we are bound to righteousness, how Christ has set us free from sin and made us slaves of righteousness, that we are caught up into right living with one another and with God. Today we're going to look at the beginning of chapter 7, which talks about being bound to Christ, how we are joined to Jesus' life. So uh, if you brought your Bibles along with you, I invite you to open them up to Romans or look at it on the Bible app on your phone and follow along. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, you give good gifts to your children. Thank you for giving us your law, which shines the light on our sinfulness and drives us to Christ. Thank you for putting to death the powers of sin and death through the death and resurrection of your Son. You have made us your own by joining us to Jesus. He is a far better master than our sinful nature. Stir up your Holy Spirit in us, so that we might live in your grace and love, through Jesus, your Son, and our Lord. Amen. One of the tools that we have been using for this sermon series on Romans is uh, resources from the Bible Project. They have taken every single book of the Bible and made a poster out of it, and then have videos that walk through each of those books and kind of show how The letter or the book is put together, and what is the driving message behind it. Uh, So, in Paul's letter to the Romans, we've been looking at two different videos that they have that walk through it. And in chapters five and six, it talks about how the gospel, the good news about Jesus being the true king of the world, creates a new humanity. We've been set right with God through faith in his promises. The good news compels us to leave the old humanity behind, and that humanity that is in slavery to sin, which results in God's judgment and death. Sin is not just bad things that we think and say and do, but a dark ruling force that seeks to enslave us nt wright says that sin is a power let loose in the world a deceptive and corrosive parasite that has entwined the whole human race in its tentacles and is slowly choking it to death in romans 6 paul promises that sin will no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace What then, he says, shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we continue in it any longer? We've been set free by God's grace. Not to do whatever we want and trample on others in the process. We've been set free from the power of sin and the condemnation of the law so that we may live a new life. Led by the Spirit, we are to love God and love one another, even our enemies. The good news of Jesus invites us into God's new family to participate in Jesus' life and love, his obedience and faithfulness. Baptism joins us to Jesus' death and raises us to a new life. We are liberated to love God and our neighbor. Paul ended chapter 6 by saying, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Eternal life is not just going to be with God when you die, but a new Jesus-shaped life that begins now and stretches into eternity. True freedom is not just doing whatever comes naturally to us, but becoming more and more like Christ, becoming more fully human, reflecting the image of God. We obey God out of love, not to satisfy the demands of the law, which could never give life. What the law could not do, God has done. So at the beginning of chapter 7, Paul says, what's the point then of the law or the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament? The Bible Project points out that when Paul talks about the law, sometimes he is talking about the story of the first five books of the Bible, which we're right in the middle of reading if you're reading along on our one-year chronological uh, Bible plan. It's the story of God's faithfulness and how he has been working through his people throughout the years. So sometimes that's what Paul is talking about, the story of those first five books of the Bible. Other times when he talks about the law, he's talking about the 613 commands in the first five books of the Bible, uh, including the Ten Commandments, but then all these other kosher laws and all these other things. Paul points out that the commands are good and show God's will for us. They are a rule of life for people who've been brought out of slavery. They'd been in Egypt, enslaved for 400 years, and so God needed to show them a a way of being human, a way of being together as a community in a way that wasn't going to tear themselves apart. He essentially said to them in these commands, follow this path and you will flourish. Things will go so much better for you if you don't steal and cheat on one another and lie and deceive and kill. The problem was, the more commands that the people of Israel were given the more they rebelled and broke them. The law didn't fix the problem of the sinful human heart. Paradoxically, those rules made the Israelites even more guilty because they knew what they should be doing and yet weren't doing it. But that paradox was the point. God wanted to make it clear that evil has hijacked the human heart. And that the rules couldn't do anything about it. Just knowing what's right and wrong won't make you do what's right. The law won't keep you from sin because you need a whole new heart, a whole new life. You have to die to the power of sin. You have to be released from the law and bound to Christ instead to be truly set free. So Paul, in chapter 7, says that the law has authority over people only while they are alive. He gives an illustration from marriage. He says, spouses are bound to one, each other as long as they both shall live. If one of them joins himself or herself to someone else, it betrays the promise that they made to one another. It tears the marriage relationship apart. But that marriage law is set aside when one of them dies. The other person is then free to marry again. When you die, Paul says, you are beyond the condemnation of the law. So, my brothers and sisters, he says, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. The old person in you has died. The new person has come. You are part of the body of Christ. You died to the law when you were baptized into Jesus' death so that you might belong to Jesus, so that you might be joined to Jesus' new life and bear fruit for the kingdom of God. A seed has to die. It has to be buried in the earth for it to come alive and bear fruit. In the gospel that we heard today, Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. A wheat plant can produce up to five heads with 22 kernels on each head. A field corn plant can produce over a thousand kernels on a single ear. When Jesus was talking about a seed dying and then producing fruit, he was talking about himself, how his death would bring life to many. But he was also talking about you and me, his followers. He calls each of us to make disciples. That was his great commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. He wants us to dedicate our lives to helping others grow in following him. By God's grace, we grow where we are planted, and we bear fruit, other disciples. Jesus went on to say, anyone who loves their life will lose it. But... Anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where, my, where I am, my servant also shall be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. If we place our trust and hope in this life, in how things are going for us, it will slip right through our grasping fingers. But if we follow Christ in serving others rather than ourselves, we will be honored. Jesus said, Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. Jesus knew that he would be lifted up on a cross for the sake of others. There's a fascinating story in the book of Exodus. The people have been brought out from slavery in Egypt, and they're going through the wilderness together, and they grumbled and rebelled against God, even though he had just set them free from slavery. So God let them experience the consequences of their rebellion by sending poisonous snakes into the camp. Many of them were bitten. Many of them died. But then God told Moses to make a bronze snake and lift it up on a pole so that anyone who looked at it in faith would be healed. This is a beautiful statue overlooking the Holy Land that combines the images of Moses' bronze snake and the cross of Christ. Earlier in the Gospel of John, Jesus told the Pharisee Nicodemus, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Jesus' death brings us life and sets us free from the condemnation of the law. Paul continues in Romans 7 When we were in the realm of the flesh, controlled by our rebellious, sinful nature, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us so that we bore fruit for death. The law makes us aware of our sin. it's like a a mirror held up in front of our faces. It shows us how how far we fall short of God's glory, how we are in bondage to sin and cannot free ourselves. But now, Paul continues, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. We've been released from our old slavery to sin and the law so that we may serve in a new way, by the power of the Holy Spirit. We have a new master who laid down his life for us and calls us to a new life, empowered by God's Spirit. Paul knew exactly what he was talking about. He was trained as a Pharisee. He had immersed himself in the law, in following, knowing and following all the little commands that God had given the people of Israel. And he even dedicated his life to wiping out anybody that wasn't obeying the law as he saw, as he saw it. He was persecuting Christians. But God, confer- the risen Jesus confronted him on the road to Damascus where he was going to arrest other Christians. God transformed his life and filled him with the Holy Spirit and then sent him to share the good news of Jesus with others. Everywhere that Paul went, he planted new communities of Jesus' followers. He encouraged believers in Christ to let their lives be led by the Spirit. In one of the letters that he wrote to these little churches that he planted, in the letter to the Galatians, Paul writes Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, our sinful nature. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Paul goes on to contrast the rebellious works of the flesh with the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against these things there is no law the law condemns but the spirit gives life the sinful nature bears fruit for death but the spirit bears life-giving fruit jesus says i am the vine you are the branches those who abide in me and i in them bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. You belong to Jesus. May his life flow through you so that you bear much fruit, the fruits of the Spirit and the fruit of new believers in Christ. Amen.